Hello and welcome to the Dr. Richard podcast, a show about health, well-being, fitness and humanity. I'm Dr. Richard Marks. Today I'm excited to welcome Karen Levy. Karen is a psychotherapist and author and my patient. How are you today? I'm really good, thank you. And tell me three things that make you smile. Well, one of the things that comes to mind always is you. Well, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) You certainly make me smile. Thank you. Number two would be single magical acts of kindness that sort of happen during the period of, of the day. And number three would have to be my dog. Wilson. Wilson, who's a bit of a special white, fluffy, gorgeous hunk of magic. And he's a therapy dog as well. He is a therapy dog, yes. And he comes to the office with me. Unfortunately, he's otherwise occupied right now because he's looking after my mum, who's poorly but he's CEO of my company. <laughs> and um, yeah, he's, he's a bit of a special therapy dog. And it's, it's known that dogs, actually hugging a dog can bring down your blood pressure. I've actually seen it done in a doctor's office. We actually talk about people and their dogs quite a lot on this um, podcast because it is something to do with well-being. We want to talk about how we know each other, obviously through your smile. (laughs) And Shelley, your sister, who did our amazing artwork. She did, she did your amazing artwork. Tell us a bit about how you became a psychotherapist and why. Okay. It's a story. (laughs) It's a story. I became a psychotherapist because I suffered with depression from a very young age. And at the time I had depression, it was completely stigmatized. Nobody recognized it as an illness. Nobody sent you flowers. Nobody gave you get out of jail card. It was just your week. Pull yourself together. Get on with it. And it was actually quite cruel. Mm-hmm. And nobody talked about it. Nobody would talk about it or let you talk about it. How old were you when this happened? It's... And do you think something triggered that or do you think that... Well, you... I was 18. Mm-hmm. And I think um, I will, my mother suffered with depression. Mm-hmm. And when I was a little girl, probably four or five, I used to go with her to the hospital where she had ECT. Wow. And wow. I believe now as a psychotherapist, practicing psychotherapist, that there may be a predisposition to... to Mental illness. That's what I was going to ask, whether you thought of the genetic... Yeah, but whether... Is it genetic or environmental or perhaps a combination? I think nurture plays a bigger part in, in, in whether you do end up 
with a mental health problem or not. Mm-hmm. And you know, scientists might argue with me, mm-hmm. but through now nearly 30 years of working in private practice, I think it's quite clear that nurture plays a huge role. And did you kind of get yourself through this period of depression when you were young, or did you rely on help from other people to get through that period and come out well, the other side? Well, I basically side? had to kick and scream for help. Mm-hmm. And... Um, they didn't we, take you for ECT? I never had ECT, no, no. but I, I was, I was, um, you know, I was, I wasn't listened to, not, not so much by my, of course not by my mother, mm. um, but it's very hard to live with someone who's depressed. Yeah. So it was very hard for my sister to be around me mm. because everybody treated me as though I was fragile. Mm. I wasn't fragile. Mm. I was strong, mm. but I was depressed. Mm. And I found things that other people find easy in a day, mm. very hard. Mm. And it comes from experiences early on in my life. Mm. I, I know where it comes from. Mm. So you use your own experience to then help other people? my own experience and my own experience of healing yes and how i got well which was eventually through being hospitalized mm. and um for a long time mm. and how long did it take to to from that period of 18 to kind of come through well through? it's it's i always talk about Depression yeah. mm-hmm. and maybe anxiety because they're often related Linked. as um, a comorbid condition. Mm-hmm. And it's taken a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I, I work on it every single day. Mm-hmm. But maybe helping other people also helps yourself. The biggest gift I have in my life. Mm-hmm is helping other people through it Mm. because I understand it. Mm. I understand every little nuance of it. Mm. And that's an act of kindness every day from you to your patients. Maybe. For me, it's an act of love. Mm. Mm. Amazing. And what is the importance of family to you? Obviously, I know your sister and, and your mom and, you know, your close unit, um, what's the importance of family for you? Um, Well, there's nothing more important to me than family. Mm -hmm. There's nothing more important to me than my, unfortunately, my father died, but now I have my mother and my sister, Mm. and there's nothing more important to me. Mm. Tell us about the white dog and the theory of the white dog. Okay. And the black dog. (laughs) Okay. So, my life was all bad. I have had loads of 
great times. Mm. And um, in fact, I don't think I've got many regrets, to be mm. honest. That's good. But I didn't have a kid. And, you know, you, you get a bit selfish. And also, I escaped marriage many, many times. So you get a bit selfish. So I figured I needed a responsibility. So I got myself a white dog. Mm. Or two. Or even three. <laughs> <laughs> and those white dogs changed my life. And I mean, um, Freud used to have dogs in his office. He was known for having chows. And those chows would give him an idea of who he was dealing with. Mm. Because, of course, if we talk about being in the present, dogs are in the present. Yes. So those dogs would actually give him an idea of Ooh. who that patient was. Interesting. And they can sense things. Yeah. Beyond, yeah. you know, so, just a spoken word. Yes. And he could see whether the dog would sit with the patient mm -hmm. or the dog would move away from the patient or and he would he was well known for that and then when you ask about the black dog the black dog was a term coined by Winston Churchill mm. to describe his own struggles with mental health wow. and depression and it's even said that he might have had bipolar, but I don't know. Wow. You would think of him as endlessly strong. But that's where the stigma lies. Yes. You just put your finger on it. Of course. Because just because you have depression doesn't mean you're not strong. Mm. And there's such a thing called high-functioning depression, mm. high-functioning anxiety. Mm. And you can be very high functioning, mm. as was mm. Winston Churchill, mm. perfect example. Mm. But he was plagued by what Mental he called health. the black dog. Issues, yeah. Maybe you have to be even stronger because you've got to get sure. through that and overcome that every day, you know. And, those... and you ha also have to cut through the stigma that somebody that suffers with depression is weak. Mm. So you have to perform and overperform. Mm. Wow, interesting. And talk to me about kind of health and wellness and how do you view this and how would you approach it and integrate it into your personal self or how would you recommend for someone else to approach their more general health and well-being to help with their mental health? I would urge people to look at themselves as a whole. I would urge them not to separate their mental health from their physical health. Your brain is an organ mm. and it dictates, and the way we think dictates the way we feel. Mm. So. I wouldn't separate them, number one. But there are certain things we know, like 
eating well because also our gut is is known as our second brain mm. so i would encourage people to treat their guts well because their gut is going to affect their mental health it's circular mm. exercise we know is fantastic for to, to to produce endorphins to you know enhance our mood serotonin also serotonin there's serotonin in the stomach as well so i i would look at 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 the person as a whole you know i would look at mechanisms we use to cope through life like alcohol um smoking using drugs there are things we do to get us through the pain mm. but life's not meant to be easy no. it's freaking tough <laughs> and we we got we've got to get on board with but it takes a lifetime to learn this and by the time you learn it you're <laughs> dead well i guess we're always learning <laughs> yeah i wanted to talk a little bit um about an aesthetic industry and there's a talk about how there's a crossover with psychology and the psychology of the aesthetics industry. Yeah. So what do you think about the links between those industries? Um, I think there's a huge link. Yeah. I mean, there was a, there's a, a survey came out yesterday in Australia about the, the necessity to um, strategically question people or should I say stringently question people prior to any aesthetics um, uh, treatment Procedures, to make, yes, thank you, <laughs> 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 to, um, to ensure that it's not, it's not down to an underlying mental health condition known as BDD, mm. body dysmorphic disorder. Mm. On the other hand, I think if you can do something that makes you feel more confident, like a beautiful spy, a smile done by Richard Marks, <laughs> I think you've got to go for it big time hmm. because it gives you confidence. Yeah, it's a bit about balancing that inner and outer, sure. isn't it? Sure. I wanted to ask a little bit about what your plans are for the future. Well, not, you know. I am certainly not going to retire anytime soon. That's good. Because I still absolutely love what I do. Amazing. And um, I, I'm planning to, well, at the moment, my sister's working with me on a project, as you mentioned earlier, she's an artist, and she's working with me on a project about, with, using the white dog. And on Instagram, all her, draw all her drawings are on my page using um, the white dog. So I did a little booklet, which I want to expand into a book um, and also a journal to encourage people to, to, to use therapy, not just in the therapy room. Because the idea is not to make people dependent on their therapists. Mm -hmm. It's to teach them how to take care of themselves mm -hmm. in the world mm -hmm. and make the adjustments they have to do. So I, the, my plan is to do a book of some description with a journal of some description illustrated definitely 
by Shelley to um, help people. Yeah, yeah to help people do it for themselves. Wow, that's great. And um, so, and also my 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 other hope for the future is to, as I get older, and I am getting older. Thank God. We all are. <laughs> thank God. Is to do it as healthily as I possibly can. Mm. And as gracefully and as curiously as I possibly can. Mm. We talked a little bit about wellness and longevity. Yeah. So, what are your feelings on longevity and how you can obviously look after your mental longevity as well as your physical longevity? Well, I think longevity is only important if you have quality of life. Mm. And I think if you are able to stay curious and keep learning new things mm. and keep trying new things, even though they're scary as hell, mm. I think that that keeps your brain excited, excited, or, yeah, stimulated. And I think social connection, social engagement, really, really important. Mm. You know, I think you've got to keep talking to people. You've got to like get rid of this idea that you're too old mm. and you're not relevant anymore because mm. you're always relevant. Mm. You're always relevant as long as you're breathing and on this planet. Mm. Because as we get older, we might not be as gorgeous, but we've developed something inside of ourselves that's that's, that's relevant. Mm -hmm. and, and wisdom. Well, that, that's it. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. As long as we, we, we learn yeah. from our mistakes and, and our challenges in life. Yeah. It's like you said, life is a journey and it can be difficult, but... Well, <laughs> it can be... Sometimes it's just... Some people don't make it alive. No. Well, no one makes it out alive. Yeah, no one makes it out alive in the end. Yeah. But hopefully you learn something on the journey. And hopefully you can enjoy the journey, even if there are hard parts, you know. Yeah. And there are times you won't enjoy. Mm. But hopefully you'll look back and you will have a nugget. Mm. You will have a nugget. Because mm. there will be lots of times that won't feel so good. Mm. It's part of life. Mm. And I think it's really admirable um, what you want to do and to give people the tools for themselves to manage their own way through their, you know, mental wellness, you know, and in terms of the new projects. So I think that will be a really valuable thing. Without, without the tools and without, you, you can have a therapist for a thousand years. If you don't use the tools and you don't work on yourself, you will never get better. Mm, mm, mm. And obviously, you're proof that well, you can. <laughs> and your patience. Yeah. And your amazing work. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Karen. I think it's an amazing story um, about why you became a psychotherapist and your family and this exciting new project. We'll definitely be keeping an eye on all of these developments. And all of Karen's details and links will be in the show notes. And thank you guys for listening. If you like today's show, please rate and review wherever you get your podcast. 
It was presented by me, Dr. Richard Marks. For more about me, I'm on at Dr. Underscore Richard Double Underscore or visit my website www.drrichardlondon.com. This is a Pod People production and the music is by Delhi Music and we will see you next time.